Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Amen. Thanks, Andre. Those of you um, who want to read in your um, own Bibles and make notes, you can open with me in Genesis 4. The last couple of weeks we've been looking at Genesis 4, the story of Cain and Abel. And uh, just what we can learn from that and what God is saying to us and how he's both challenging us, um, convicting us, but also encouraging us through his word. So um, I'm going to read again from um, today. I just want to focus on um, how, how this story reveals Cain's heart, the, the heart of Cain, the heart of God, and, and then um, through the story, the heart of the gospel. Uh, so notice that, you know, as, as I read this story, how God is um, not just concerned with the outside behavior and actions. He's also concerned with the inside emotions and, and what's going on in the heart. Um, and it's, it's the same with us. So let's, let's read from... Genesis 4, verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Notice how he's appealing to his heart, how he's trying to get him to see his own heart. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out Uh, to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you have driven me from the land, and I will be, a, I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me, will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him 
would kill him. So, um, interesting story, very dramatic story. And um, like I said, I just want to highlight how it reveals the heart of Cain, the heart of God, and then also the, the heart um, of the gospel. So, let's, let's look at that. The first thing that I think we need to notice to understand this story or fully understand the story is, is the names of the two brothers. In our day and age, we often don't think very deeply or carefully about the names that we give, but it was not so in the time of the Bible. Names were very significant. Um, and we see it, you know, in, in, in the, you know, through the, the fact that often people's names actually reflected their calling. Um, if you think of, let's think, Elijah, which, which is a combination of El, which means God, and Yah, which means Yahweh. And his, his whole message is summarized as Yahweh is God. Baal is not God, Yahweh is God. Um, or the fact that um, people's names get changed, you know, to reflect their calling and their destiny, you know. Uh, whether that's um, Peter, um, you know, his, his name was Simon, which means Reed, but Jesus renamed him Peter, which means rock. So um, names were very significant, and, and the name Cain comes for, it, it's, it's derived from, and it sounds like the word uh, for acquired or produced. So his, his mom said, but with the help of the Lord, I've produced or I've acquired a man, and, or the man, like I, like I said in a, a previous one. And the connotation to that is productivity, you know, so, so, so he's seen as successful and productive, and, and thank you for that testimony. I uh, can't remember who shared the testimony, but, you know, Cain probably was that kind of guy also, who was so competent, so confident, that he trusted in his own abilities and struggled to trust in the Lord. So that, that testimony that we heard was, was so um, appropriate. Abel, on the other hand, um, sounds like the word, and is derived from, from the word that means vapor, or breath, or bubble, okay? Life is like a vapor, you know, it's, and, 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 and the connotation is meaninglessness or uselessness. So he's exactly the opposite, you know, where Cain is productive and successful, Abel, his name represents useless and pointless and weakness, that's in the Hebrew. The word, ironically, I think in, in, in English, the word able means <laughs> competent, <laughs> but it means exactly almost the opposite in, in the Hebrew, in the original language. Um, and we, we see that, that probably Cain, when you see it, look at his reaction, probably he based his whole identity on his success, his ability his accomplishments. And when that was challenged, when his brother, who's a nobody, who's like the also ran, the, you know, not the favorite in the family, when, when he, his brother, when his sacrifice gets accepted and Cain's it does not. In other words, when his brother does better than him, because he bases his whole identity on it, all of a sudden he can't handle it. Um, and we see that 
he he focused on on his ability. He thought, okay, I'm going to bring um, an offering that's going to make me right with God. Abel brought an offering out of a place of already being all right with God. Out of a, we, we told in in um, in Hebrews 11 verse 4, it says, by faith Abel brought a better offering than Cain. Okay, but n- notice this: it it can't be. Um, It can't be that Cain didn't believe in God. I mean, he's having a conversation with God. He was bringing an offering to God. So it's not that he didn't believe in God's existence or that he didn't have relationship with God. It's he didn't live that relationship out of faith in God. It was faith in himself, in his own ability. Because his, his name means productive, you know, accomplished, successful. You know, and that's what he trusted in. So all of these words that we got, uh, you know, um, during the time of, of, of words, um, you know, of not trusting in, in ourselves, not trusting in other things, not trusting in idols, that's very relevant because that's exactly what Cain did. And also we see that, that there was a relationship with God. So there was religion, if I can call it that, a form of religion at least. But it clearly didn't change his life. Because it says in the um, passage, God accepted Abel and his offering. Not just Abel's offering, but he accepted Abel and his offering. But Cain and his offering he rejected. And then he says, if you do well, if you do what is right. So, so Cain had a form of religion that was without f- true faith. He, he had faith that God existed but he, he didn't relate to that God that, exi- that he believed existed by faith in who God really is. He trusted more in his own ability than in what God could do for him, what he could do for himself than what God could do for him. And what the result of that was, it didn't change his life. Because what God was saying to him is there's a disconnect between your religion... You're saying you commit to me, you're bringing sacrifices, offerings to me, and, and his actual life. You're not doing well. You're trying to live a life that's devoid of me and my direction and my warnings and my word and my character, and then you're trying to come and bribe me with an offering to accept you anyway. So you own, you, 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 you're coming to church, but you're not, you're not allowing your religion to change your life. Your, your way of life. And it's so easy to do that. I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of a... Um, I, I, there, there's this movie which in, in some ways is a terrible movie, uh, but in some ways so accurate because it represents, I think, human nature so well, the, the Godfather. Um, and, and some of you might have seen it. And, and at the end of the movie, there's this scene where where, where the, these mafia dons, this godfather, has people assassinated. And while the people are being assassinated, uh, you know, in the, in the movie, you know, being killed very violently and terribly, the godfather is sitting in church, you know, listening to the sermon. And, and so often, and, and, and I mean, that is exactly what God's talking about here. He says, Cain, the godfather was walking in the way of Cain. There's a form of religion, but it doesn't change your life. You can be murderous 
have people killed or kill people like Cain did or like the Godfather does. But then you sit in church and, and, and your religion doesn't change your life. And um, we also see it in, it, it, just want to mention that, that phrase that I use, the way of Cain, is, is um, in Jude, Jude verse 11, it says, um, woe to them, they have, I think the scripture is up here, woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain. So, so, so the problem with Cain was there was a certain way of life that was devoid of faith, that had that cognitive dissonance, you know, I can live one way and I can still try and, and please God. It doesn't affect all of my life. Um, and and we, God warns him, you know, um, and, 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 and it's, you see his heart in his response to the warning. So, so God comes to Cain and he warns him. He says, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. What is his response to the warning? Does he say, oh, you know, God, I'm so sorry. He doesn't say anything. He just hoys God a flat ignore. He just ignores God. He ignores the warning. In fact, he goes out, talks his brother into following him, you know, away from other people into the field, and then when they're alone, he kills him. He murders him. It, it seems almost like the warning make him, made him even more angry. God is saying to him, why are you so angry? Why is your, so, has your face fallen, you know? And, and it, God warns him, and then it seems like the warning makes him even more angry. So he was clearly captured by sin. In fact, 1 John 3, if, I can just, if you can just bring that up, 1 John 3, verse 11 to 12, um, it says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Um, just a few things there. The first is, notice it says he belonged to the evil one. So God was warning him, sin is crouching at the door. Either you will master it or it will master you. But clearly, the New Testament says it's, it's very clear that sin mastered, the evil one mastered Cain. He didn't respond to God's warning. Um, and the second thing is it says the reason why he murdered his brother was exactly because his brother's deeds were good and his were evil. You see, the thing is when you, when you build your life, your identity, your self-worth, everything on your performance, I'm Cain, I'm productive, I'm successful, then anyone who is more successful or better than you that shows you up is a threat to you. And you have two options. You can either repent of building your identity on the wrong thing or you can eliminate what you see as a threat. Cain chose the latter. And as human beings, we've been choosing the latter throughout human history. In fact, now that I think of it, one of the main reasons, in my opinion, you know, um, some, some of you might be following the news with this um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And it's interesting, there are many reasons and excuses that Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin will give for why they're invading Ukraine. But one of the main reasons, in my opinion, is that 
I mean, Putin has a, is, is ruling Russia as a dictator in a very authoritarian way. And his people are not prospering. There are few oligarchs who are making billions and are you know, floating around in yachts in the Mediterranean and other places. But most of the people are really suffering in Russia. And he cannot afford, in, in my opinion, the, one of the main reasons why he invaded the Ukraine is the Ukraine was trying to become a, a democracy and more like a, a Western um, democracy where there's political liberty and that kind of stuff, freedom of speech and so on. And he, Putin couldn't afford to have a country on his doorstep that does better than his country and that shows him up and shows up the wrong way of government that, that he's following. If the Ukraine succeeded as a democracy and became part of the West and the EU and NATO and you know, became successful um, financially and all that, economically and all that kind of stuff, it would have made Russia look terrible. And, and Putin just couldn't afford that. It, it's the same thing. It's the same thing, you know. So, um, and then, then we also see his heart in the fact that he says to his brother, come with me into the field. <laughs> and then he kills him. So we can see that, that what Cain does is not just an accident. It's not just a, a crime of passion. It's premeditated. Despite the warning, he planned taking his brother into the field where they could be alone and murdering him. Um, and then we see also his heart, Cain's heart, in, in his response when God confronts him. God asks him a question. Where's your brother? You know, and it, it sort of reminds you of the question he asked Adam. Adam, where are you? <laughs> this time he asks, Cain, where's your brother? And you know, obviously, when an all-knowing being asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he wants you to think about it. Where's your brother? And Cain tells the first recorded lie by a human being in the Bible. And ironically, he tells it to God, the one person you cannot lie to. It's impossible, you know, to lie to God. He knows everything. And yet he says to him, I don't know. And then he asks this very, you know, he, he tries to defend himself with this very cold-hearted rhetorical question. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And, and it's, it's such an ironic question, isn't it? In so many ways, it's, it's, it's ironic because, I, it, it, and just by the way, when he says my brother's keeper, the, the word keeper, keep that keeper is based on is exactly the same word that um, that it uses I, th I think it's in Genesis 2 verse 15 when it says that God placed Adam in the garden to keep it to keep the garden to take care of it to work the garden and to take care of it and Cain inherited that profession from his father so he was a, also a keeper of the soil he was a farmer and and the irony in the first place is because Cain is basically a keeper of the soil who's not willing to keep a human being that God made from the soil. Who is, he's not willing to, 
He says, I'll take care of plants, but I'm not going to take care of my brother. You know, do you expect me to take care of my brother? Um, it's also ironic because Abel used to, it says he kept sheep. You know, it, and it's almost like he's saying, God, uh, you know, with a question, Cain is saying to God, you know, sheep need keeping, you know. Are you telling me my brother needs a keeper as well? Does he need a shepherd too? But most of all, it's ironic because... Um, We know that as his brother, Cain was supposed to be his brother's keeper, but he ironically is his brother's murderer. And then we also see Cain's heart in the fact that when God does judge Cain, when he does say to him, you are cursed and the ground will no longer produce fruit for you, what is Cain's response? Is he like, oh, I'm sorry, I've been bad, my bad. No, he says, no, this punishment is too harsh for me. And he has no qualms being harsh on his brother and murdering him. But when God judges him for it, he complains very quickly and says, this, this judgment is too harsh. And notice that the judgment is not even death. And, and, and you can see how he's seeing everything from his perspective and how it impacts upon him. And he's relying on himself and so on. And that, all of that is the way of Cain. So we see Cain's heart. And, 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 and here's the challenge that we face. All of us can very easily fall into the way of Cain. Can't we? In fact, let me ask this. Don't we sometimes do that? I think we all do. I think we all do. But then we don't only see the heart of Cain, but we see the heart of God as well. Now, let me just say this. Um, God has often received a lot of bad press. You know, as we're seeing in this Ukraine war, there's not just the military war, there's, there's also the economic war and the information war, you know, on the internet especially. There's a lot of propaganda on both sides. You know, and God has often received a lot of bad propaganda. So a lot of people will see God, when they look at God, they'll see God as, oh, he's this harsh, mean God who just judges people. He's, a, he's like a cosmic policeman. And he's just trying to find you doing something wrong so he can smite you. You know, God likes to smite, you know. <laughs> That's often what people think. Or, you know, when people sort of say, okay, I'll give God a break, you know, the God of the New Testament is a God of love, but the God of the Old Testament, you know, he's, he's a smiter, you know, he's a judger, he's a cosmic policeman, he's a, he's a meanie, you know, he's out to get you. Right? People say that, you know. And, and, and here's the challenge, you know. Even though we are Christians, we sometimes think that. Whereas people, whereas people in the world often say it out loud, we often feel it in our hearts and we become angry like Cain because we feel God is too harsh on us and he's not good enough to us and he's not taking care of us. Um, but I want you to notice a few things. Notice God's heart. The irony is Cain asked God, am I my brother's keeper? God was Abel's keeper. 
in a, in a world where, there's no, where there are no policemen, no judges, no law, when Abel gets killed as an innocent, righteous sufferer, God hears his blood crying out. And he stands and says, what you've done is wrong. What have you done? You've done wrong. And he speaks on behalf of the one who cannot speak for himself. He, he brings judgment on Cain. But, but here's where we see God's heart even more. Not only is God Abel's keeper, ironically God is Cain's keeper. So he doesn't only bring judgment, he also brings mercy. In fact, let me just read you a quote that I, I got from a, in one of the commentaries from a guy called Derek Kidner who wrote a commentary on Genesis. He says, God's concern for the innocent, which is Abel in, in Genesis 4 verse 10, is matched only by his care for the sinner. God puts a mark on Cain so that people won't kill him after he killed his brother. Can you see the mercy in that? Even the querulous prayer of Cain had contained a germ of entreaty. God's answer, answering pledge, together with his mark or sign, the same word um, used uh, for um, the rainbow, the sign of the rainbow in, in Genesis 9 verse 13, and the, the sign of the covenant uh, circumcision in Genesis 17 verse 11. Uh, not a stigma, but a, safe, uh, but a safe conduct is almost a covenant, making him virtually Cain's goal. That's just a Hebrew word that means kinsman redeemer. Uh, or protector. It is the utmost that mercy can do to the unrepentant. So what I want you to see here is just God's heart and, and how gracious and merciful he is. You know, firstly, he's Cain's keeper in that he warns him before he becomes a murderer that he's in danger of becoming a murderer. God doesn't wait around until after it happened and then he shows up. He comes before and then he says, Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face fallen? Think about why you're feeling what you're feeling. Look at your, look at your heart. You know? There's something wrong here. Be careful. Sin is crouching at the door. So he warns him in the first place. Secondly, he, he encourages him. He counsels him and encourages him. He says to him, Sin wants to have you, but you must rule over it. In other words, I see potential in you. You can rule over this. You can actually overcome this. Can you see how he's encouraging him before he, he, he commits the murder? Um, and then afterwards, he does judge Cain. God, God will not neglect he won't choose between mercy and judgment. When judgment is needed, he will bring judgment. But even though he judges Cain, and Cain doesn't repent, he doesn't say, I've sinned, I'm sorry. He just says, my punishment is too harsh for me. And God still shows him mercy. God still shows him mercy and, and says, I'll put a mark on you that, that'll make sure that people don't, that, that people don't kill you. In other words, I'll make sure that people don't treat you the way you treated your brother. I'll, I'll give you even that mercy. Can you see how gracious and merciful God is? And, and, and just the irony of, of Cain saying, am I my brother's keeper? And he's saying it to God, who is not only, was not only his brother's keeper, but was Cain's keeper, and continued to be Cain's keeper, even after Cain refused to be, to be his brother's keeper. 
And so it shows us, this passage shows us the heart of Cain. It shows us the heart of God. And, And I just want you to see that God is nicer than we often allow him for him than we often believe he's more gracious he's more loving he's more merciful even when we in our hearts are like Cain he comes and he reasons with us he encourages us he warns us and then afterwards even if we don't listen to what he says he still tries to show us mercy and and win us over and get us to repent can you see God's heart not only towards Cain, but to, towards all of us. But this passage also shows us the heart of the gospel. You see, it's, um, I'm not going to read the scriptures now, but there are at least three or so places where Abel is mentioned in the New Testament. And in every case, he's mentioned as a, a righteous sufferer. One of them was, was that 1 John 3 verse um, 12 that I read for you, where it says that Abel's deeds were good and and Cain's were evil and that's why Cain killed Abel so he he becomes sort of a paradigm or a example or a symbol for the righteous sufferer the innocent righteous sufferer and here in this passage he's a prophetic type of the ultimate righteous sufferer who is of course Jesus um You see, just like Abel was led by his brother away from society outside in order to be killed, so Jesus was led by his brothers, the Jews, out of the city of Jerusalem to be killed by them. He was also killed by his brothers, and he he could have asked, you know, am I my brother's keeper? But he, he was willing to not only become our brother in order to be our keeper, but he was willing to die in order to be our keeper. Um, it's interesting when it says there, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. It's the very first time blood is mentioned in the Bible. And there's, a, there's a, a principle, the principle of first mention. Whenever something is mentioned for the first time, it's very significant. And it's extremely, and, and, and when something is mentioned for the first time, the first mention contains all the rest about that topic in seed form that is then developed in the rest of the Bible. And it's, isn't it interesting that when blood human blood is shed for the first time and mentioned for the first time in Genesis, it says that that blood speaks. In fact, it doesn't only speak, it cries out. It shouts to God. And what, is the blood of, what was the blood of Abel shouting for? Justice. Injustice has been perpetrated. Unrighteousness has been perpetrated. Justice is demand by the, demanded by the blood. And in the New Testament, in, in Hebrews 12, verse 24, I think I did bring it up here, it says, You have come to God, the judge of all, the one to whom the blood cries out. It says, you, you, the blood of your brother cries out to me. Listen, I hear it. Can you hear it? 
The blood of your brother speaks to me. It cries out to me for justice. Uh, You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, like the ultimate Abel, the ultimate innocent righteous sufferer, he was willing to die to have his blood sprinkled so that his blood could also cry out to his father, to God, the judge. But whereas Abel's cried out for judgment, Jesus' cries out for mercy. Jesus' blood also cries out to God, but it says, God. And, and, and the, the irony here is, is so great because he, he became, he came from heaven to earth to become our brother. You know, when we're talking about a brother's keeper, you know, he became our brother. So God can only, Jesus can only be your keeper if you become part of his family. Okay, if you respond and become part of his family. But he, he came so far and then he came to die as the ultimate Abel, the true Abel, so that his blood could cry out for mercy on our behalf. And that means that if Jesus is your keeper, your brother, and as your brother, your keeper, then you don't have to keep yourself and try and keep yourself and fight and struggle and bite and claw to keep yourself like Cain did. You don't have to fight for yourself because he fights for you. If you have someone that is that powerful and that loving being your keeper, your brother and your keeper, and if he's fighting on your behalf, then you don't have to fight for yourself. How often in our marriages do we fight with one another for ourselves in order to try and keep ourselves? How often at work do we fight with our colleagues in order to get our best interest, in order to keep ourselves? How often politically... In South Africa, in Russia, wherever, do we fight in order to do what we think will keep us safe? And the only way we can get free from that is if we have someone else who is even more powerful than we are and more wise than we are fighting on our behalf. We need a brother who will be our keeper in order to set us free from that knee-jerk reaction of trying to keep ourselves like Cain did. We need that. You will never be able to stop walking in the way of Cain and being your own keeper until Jesus becomes your keeper. Did you hear that? The extent to which you are still trying to be your own keeper shows you the extent to which you still need to receive Jesus as your keeper. And then, how do you, just in a practical way, how do you do this? The, f- the first step is to become part of God's family. To, to receive God not only as your judge, but as your father, by receiving Jesus as your brother. You need to step into covenant with him, become part of his family, so that he can be your keeper. But then, on a practical level, you need to continually thank Jesus for being 
becoming your brother so that he can become your keeper. On a daily basis, you've got to apply the gospel to your own heart and say, Jesus, you are my brother. You are my keeper. I don't have to fight for myself all the time. I don't have to fight with everyone around me that makes me feel threatened in any way. Because you're taking care of me and you'll continue as my older brother, the ultimate older brother, who's not going to say, am I my brother's keeper and sort of excuse himself, but who will pay any price to keep his brother. I, I, I trust in you. My heart trusts in you, not just in myself and what I can do for myself. My heart trusts in you. And that sets me free to be like you and to become my brother's keeper. Because my brother is no longer a threat to me. My sister is no longer a threat to me. They no longer, it doesn't matter whether they're better than me or they're more successful than me or they, what they do makes me look bad. It doesn't matter anymore because that's not what I base my identity on. My identity now is that you, Jesus, are my brother and you are my keeper and my identity is based on you and not anything else. Anything else that you base your identity on will cause you to feel threatened and to lash out like Cain did in small ways and in big ways. It's only when you base your identity only on Jesus and say, he is my brother, he's my keeper, that you'll be completely free to not walk in the way of Cain and to not lash out. So don't follow the way of Cain. And, and here's the sad thing, and, and this is a, I especially want to address that at, at, at us as Christians. And, and in South Africa, we have a, almost 80% people who self-identify as Christians. Many, if not most of whom, God would say, like he said to Cain, you bring me offerings, you come to church, you read your Bible now and then, you call yourself a Christian. You believe in me, in my existence. But your life doesn't change. And you don't relate to me by faith. I want to say to us as Christians, let us not die of hunger at the feast. Let us not die of hunger in the kitchen. <laughs> this is where God is giving himself to us. This is where he's providing for us. This is where he's keeping us. This is where he's giving his gospel to us. It's there. Let us not die of hunger in the kitchen. Amen? It's, because that's what Cain's doing. He doesn't only know about God. He knows God. He's having conversations with God. And yet, it's not changing his life. Don't die of hunger in the kitchen where the food is being made and provided. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.